If you brought your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I want to share with you a sermon that I've simply entitled, Leaving a Positive Lasting Legacy. Leaving a Positive Lasting Legacy When You Die. Leaving a positive, lasting legacy. You know, we all leave a legacy, but we want a positive one, and we want one that will be remembered forever and forever and forever, and we want a good legacy when we die. And this is Mother's Day. It's a special day in which we honor our mothers, those uh, who are alive and those who have died. However, what really makes them special is that uh, they carry the title Mother, And so this morning I want us to look at a woman who most people would have thought was a very unimportant person. They would have thought her really to have been a nobody. Matter of fact, they probably never would have even thought of of this woman except maybe her close friends. However, Jesus thinks that everyone is important. Not just certain people, but he thinks everyone is important. But we probably never would have heard of this woman unless Simon Peter had visited, unless he'd not visited her home, um, you know, we would never have heard of her, and we never would have, um, we never would have uh, had the miracle that took place in her home, never would have heard of her, never would have heard of that miracle that took place. So uh, the point is, don't, don't ever think that God only works in the lives of those who some people consider... Uh, prominent or important. He works in every person's life. Every person is important to God. And so in the Bible, over and over and over again, God sends a messenger. Sometimes uh, he even sent Jesus. Jesus would come into a home or talk to an individual that people considered to be an outcast or someone that people ignored. They just thought that this person was plain and an ordinary person, but Jesus saw them different. And so that's what you have here. Uh, in uh, Acts chapter 9, God's going to work in a person's life who, who's just a plain, ordinary person from a small town called Lida. And uh, I want you to notice her name as we read. So turn to Acts chapter 9, and we want to read Acts chapter 9, pick up with verse 32, and, uh, and read following. And it came to pass, as Peter passed through out all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a man named Enos, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Enos was bedridden, and uh, he had palsy. He was paralyzed. Verse 34, And Peter said unto him, Enos, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. I kind of like that. I don't, uh, I, I guess, parents, you can be scriptural if you go into you teenager's room and just say arise take authority like like you did here and say arise make your bed see what happens well i hope i hope they get up and make their bed but i don't know arise and make thy bed and he arose immediately and all that dwelt in Lydda and Sauron saw him and turned to the lord and there was at joppa a certain disciple named tabitha which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. She had two names, 
Tabitha and Dorcas. She was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. And when they had washed and laid her in her upper chamber, and for as much as, as Lida was nigh to Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would delay to come to them, would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, he put them out of the house, and he kneeled down and he prayed and turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord, and it came to pass that he, Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. Now, if you'll notice in verse 36, her name was Tabitha slash Dorcas. And the whole essence of this sermon this morning is simply this. God wants us to leave a positive, lasting legacy that will always linger in the hearts of the people that we leave behind. He wants all of us to leave that type of legacy. Now, when you read about this lady called Tabitha slash Dorcas, you'll find that these, this really teaches several lessons. One lesson we see here in the Scriptures is that it portrays a disciple or it portrays a, a Christian. Now, we take the man Enos there. Enos uh, and Tabitha, uh, we see, give a complete portrait of a disciple. When a person gets saved, they're referred to as a saint. Uh, they referred to as Christ followers. Verse 32, notice, And it came to pass, as Peter passed through all the quarters, he came down to the saints, which were at Lydda. Now that word saint, we've talked about that here before, that gives us the word holy, it means set apart, it means separated. It's where we get the word also sanctification. And she was a saint, she'd been set apart. She was set apart, a saint, a Christ follower, a Christian that's been set aside for God to use. If you're a Christian here this morning, you're a saint of God. You've been set aside for God to use. Now, one of the meanings of the word saint, it means different, different. Set aside, different. So Peter came to Lydda to talk to those who were different. Now, why were they different? Because Jesus Christ had changed their heart. Jesus Christ had changed their lives. And we see here with Enos how a man's life was changed. He got up and he walked, and because of him, many believed. His life was changed. And so, therefore, Jesus did not only heal people of their sickness, but he healed people spiritually also. And so, in verse 32, he came to the saints and the Bible says in verse 33 that he found a certain man there, Enos. Now, notice he found a certain man. Before he came to see the saints, and now he's found a certain man. So what happens here is that he finds a man that was not a Christian. He's just a certain man. And so Peter looked at this bedridden, this paralyzed man. 
He's paralyzed. He couldn't move. Let me just say this. If you're here this morning and, and you're without Jesus Christ, your will is paralyzed. I have people to tell me from time to time, you know, when I, I'll accept Christ, I'll receive the gift of salvation when I feel like I can live it. Friend, let me tell you something. You can't live it. You know why? Because you're paralyzed. Your will is paralyzed. The Bible says it's only through Him. It's Jesus Christ which worketh in you both to do and to will of His good pleasure. And so here's Enos. Look, if you will, at verse 34. And Peter said to him, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. In other words, some translation says, Jesus Christ heals you. And so... Peter didn't see himself doing something for Jesus. He just, he just saw Jesus Christ doing something through him, Peter. And he says, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Not a man makes you whole, but Jesus Christ makes you whole. And, and instantly, he's born again into the family of God. Immediately, he arose, the Bible says, and he made his bed. He made his way home. Look at verse 35. And he dwelt in Lida, and Saren saw him, and, and turned to the Lord. He, he all, and all that dwelt in Lida and Saren saw him, and turned to the Lord. And so you can see what a change took place in this man's life, and because of the change in his life, a change took place in several other people's lives. Look at verse 36, if you will. Something a little different. Now at Joppa, a certain disciple, so we had a saint, we had a certain man. Now we got the disciple, a disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So here, what she called, she's called a certain disciple. Notice that. So we're saints. We're set apart. We're different, but she's a disciple. That word disciple means a Christ follower. So this describes a Christian. A Christian is a person that's turned from their sin, turned to Jesus Christ. They're set aside for his purpose, for his doing. They are different, and then they become a Christ follower. They follow after Christ. Now notice her, her name, Tabitha. Her Hebrew name was Tabitha, and her Greek name was Dorcas. Both mean the same thing. So you have a lady with two different names that mean the same thing. And both of those words mean gazelle, something beautiful, a beautiful animal, a gazelle. An emblem of beauty. And so, listen, the, in the Bible, beauty in the Bible has nothing to do with what's on the outside. Some of you, you may say, well, you sure look beautiful today. That has nothing to do in regards to the Bible. The beauty in the Bible is not found on the, without side, on the outside of a person, but the beauty in the Bible speaks of the inside of a person. And so, Lid, uh, Tabitha, Dorcas, was beautiful. She's like a gazelle. She was beautiful. May not have been beautiful on the outside, but you'll see she's beautiful on the inside in just a moment as we go on. And so remember, she was created for God. You know, beauty in the Bible has everything to do with character. It has nothing to do with the outside, everything to do with the uh, uh, inside. And so uh, here's this woman that, that did many alms. She was a Christ follower. She was a disciple. She was full of good works. Verse 36 says, charitable deeds, alms, full of good works. Now, she didn't work in order to be saved, but she worked 
serve the Lord simply because she was a follower of Christ. She was set apart, and she was different. So she served the Lord because she was saved. So first of all, in this, you see the lesson that a Christian, a Christ follower, a disciple is someone who turns to the Lord, someone who loves the Lord, someone who is full of good works. But notice, secondly, if you're jotting down notes, the lesson also we get from this is we learn about the death of a Christian. Even though she was following Jesus, even though she was probably doing everything right in regards to being a follower of Christ, being a child of God, she, was, she, was full of, she wasn't full of meanness, she wasn't full of hatred, she wasn't full of bitterness, she was full of good works. And she was full of good works. She was a Christian, a devout Christian. But in verse 37, notice, And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. And when they'd washed, they laid her in her upper chamber. So here's this Christian, full of good works, faithful, and died. She got sick. You know, believers get sick. Believers get sick. We have our problems. But notice, she died. She died. A believer died, gets sick, and dies. Have you ever wondered why that happens? Some people say, well, why do good people die? Why, why does it seem like it's just the best who die? Some die at an older age. Some die at a real young age. Now, this is Mother's Day, and you may be here this morning, and, and you're thinking about mom, and you're thinking about dad, and you're thinking about your husband, you're thinking about your wife, maybe a small child. You're thinking about, I was thinking today about a little baby named Samuel. Our first child, born August the 1st, 1972. Samuel would be 46 years old today. But Samuel never lived outside of the womb. He went in, he, he, she, Judy went into labor the day she was to go into labor. Very, very day they said she would go into labor. But Samuel died before he came out of the womb. And, and, and that makes Mother's Day hard, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Now, you may not have experienced what we did, but there's some others here today. No doubt there's some others who have experienced what many medical professionals refer to as, in a clinical way, as a miscarriage. And this is a hard day. And you may wonder, you know, it wasn't a miscarriage to you. You may... Uh, Wonder about her. You may wonder about him today. But the whole point is that Christians get sick and Christians die, and sometimes they're old and sometimes they're young. But over and over and over again in God's Word, the Bible tells us that there's hope beyond the grave. It's not all about being here. There's a better place somewhere else. And the Bible tells us that Christians never, never, never die. Our hearts may be broken. We may cry tears as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we, we keep going because we know the Bible says there's hope. There is, in the Bible, there, 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 there was paradise. And we know there's a heaven. And, and we know there's a new Jerusalem. And that keeps us moving. The Bible teaches us at the moment that we enter into this thing called death, another miracle takes place. We leave this body. Then all of a sudden, 
Just in a moment, we're in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Tabitha got sick. She died. They've washed her body. They have her laid out. So you can see in your eyes of faith the room that she's laying in, and she's laying there and all cleaned up, and ever, all these widows are standing around, and they're holding tunics, they're holding clothes that she made for them. She made for them. A widow had a very terrible time, tough time, during this period of time. But Tabitha, she stepped up, and she would sew clothes and make coats and, and clothes for these women, these widows. Then Peter comes in, and he kind of kneels down, and, and he speaks, and the Spirit of God goes back into her body, and he says, Tabitha, arise. And you know, when, when she died, Peter was nowhere. He was out of town. She died. But yet God sent him there. And when she, when she opens her eyes, the first person that she sees, she sees the face of Simon Peter. And I got thinking about that. And one day I'm going to close my eyes in death. And when I open my eyes on the other side, the first person's face that I'm going to see is the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Very first one. She saw Peter's face. She saw Peter's face. I'm going to see the face of Jesus. The point is this. Christians who are alive in Jesus Christ are alive forevermore forevermore but but what about that little baby what about samuel judy and i was talking about this what what about samuel what about the baby that never lives outside the womb what about the little one that dies at two and three and four years old what about the one that dies maybe as a young child you know there's a lot of mysteries that i don't know there's a lot of mysteries that a lot of people don't know about but the Bible says this, the Bible says we're sinners by birth and we have this sin nature. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, excuse me, is death. And we're to receive Jesus Christ and experience this new birth. But what about this little baby? What about this child who never understood what sin is or what the sinner is all about? And, and what about heaven? And what about hell? And what about receiving Christ? What about all of them? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, along in there, it speaks about little children of the Israelites and their parents had sinned against God. And the little children of the Israelites, they were so young, the Bible says that they did not, ha they did not have the knowledge between good and evil. They were innocent. They were just children. So what happened to those little children? I mean, I know that sinners need to get saved. But what about those little children? Listen, God accommodates the small child with grace. Don't forget that. If you learn anything else here today, just remember, God accommodates the small child. And I'll go a step further in those that are mentally challenged with His grace. If you're, if you're here today, I know this could be a hard day. Think about this. Think about Pharaoh was killing all these children. He's killing all these children, throwing these little children, baby boys, into the Nile River. 
He was told that if, if the Jews kept increasing, Israel kept increasing, they were going to overtake him and overthrow him, and he had to do something. He felt he had to do something, so he started throwing all these little babies into the river. But there was one mother said, I'm not going to let anybody kill my baby. And so she, being led by God, she fixed this little ark out of bulrushes, and she patched it in and patched it out. She waterproofed it. And she takes it down to the Nile River, and she sets it afloat on that river of death. And there goes that little baby down that river, just floating along on the river of death, death all around it. And that baby is floating, floating along, protected by that ark, carried that ark, and it protected and carried that ark to an appointed place. And, and there Pharaoh, his daughter, heard a baby cry. And she reached and she took that baby into her arms, and it became her baby to raise. I said all that to say this. I, I believe around every little baby, I believe that, that God puts an ark of grace. And I believe that when our baby died, when Samuel died, that, that little ark of grace carried him from this world right into the very presence of God, an appointed place. And Jesus reached down and touched Samuel and pulled him up close to him. I'm going to tell you something, parents. You may have experienced that. But if you ever experience anything similar to a child dying later, just remember that the safest place for your baby is in the arms of Jesus Christ. David said, Hey, I can't call him back here. I can't go, I, he can't come back here, but I can go to be with him. See, David knew of this thing called everlasting life. He, he didn't have the concept as we have today in the New Testament as this place called heaven. But David said in the last verse of Psalm 23, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he knew one day he could go and be with that child. So the Bible teaches in this the portrait of a disciple. It teaches the death of a Christian. And then it teaches the salvation of a soul. And I have to hurry. Look at verse 40. Verse 40 says this. He says, but, but Peter put them out. He, he put them out of the house. He put them forth. He kneeled down. He prayed. He, turning him to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. She, she, uh, she was raised from the dead just think of this peter's in the room and all these widows are there and and they're showing peter she made this she made this she made this for me she made this for me and she had, they had all these garments and tabitha darkest had made them all she had made clothing for them and just think about this she dies and she leaves behind a legacy she left behind something they could touch something they could hold on to Look at the clothes she made for us. So Peter says, you know, you need to go out. And he did that because only God can save a soul. No man can save a soul. Only Christ can save a soul. Then he got down on his knees, and then he prayed. And, he, and, 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 that, and that said of Peter, when he gets down on his knees, that says, Lord, you're above all. You can do anything. There's, there's something special about getting on your knees, being humble before the Lord. 
Uh, if, if I didn't have to sit and pray, I wouldn't sit and pray. I'd stand before the presence of God or I'd kneel before the presence of God. What does that say? That just says that you're, you're th this is, it's all about reverence to God Almighty. And so he, he got on his knees and, and that says, Lord, you're, you're God, you're, you're Lord, you're above all. And he prayed, which means, Lord, I, I have a need and I can't meet this need, but you can. So he prayed. He prayed in a posture, I should say, prayed in a posture of reverence before God. Now, today's a tough day for some. Things I've spoken about. But you may be here today and you might have a son or a daughter that's away from God. And you've come to a conclusion, conclusion in your own life that that person, that son, that daughter has walked an aisle, that, that son or daughter has, has said a prayer or filled out a card or joined a church, but there is no evidence whatsoever that they're a child of God. There's no apples on the apple tree. We talked about that last week. There's only oranges. And you know that. And you're burdened here perhaps this morning. And you say, well, Brother Sammy, I've talked to them, but they just won't listen to me. What can I do? You can do the same thing Peter did. That woman was dead, and he prayed that God would raise her from the dead. Now hear me out. Your son or daughter is dead in, in sin. They are. They have no fruit of being a Christian. And you're comf you, you have this confidence of that. And so you just need to dispatch the Holy Spirit to them, dispatch the Holy Spirit of God to them, and convince, have God to convince them that they're a sinner and they need Jesus. Simply put, you need to get on your knees and pray for a resurrection of the dead for that person that's in sin without Jesus because they're dead. They're dead. And what more powerful... What would be more powerful than, than you to come to this altar today or sit in the seat where you are and just pray for your child? Pray a prayer like this. God, God, please open their eyes. God, speak to their mind. God, convict them that they're sinners. Convict them that they don't know you. Convict them their lifestyle demonstrates that. Say, God, just as Jesus raised Dorcas from the dead, God, please raise my son from the dead. Please raise my daughter from the dead. Can you imagine the prayer of a humble mom or a humble dad on an altar or at an altar, special service like this, just reaching out in faith, dispatching the Holy Spirit? The old saying that goes, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I like what Billy Sunday said. Billy Sunday said, there's not an angel in heaven that wouldn't give a basket of diamonds to come here and take the place of a mother. That's how important Billy Sunday thought mothers were. So you have a portrait of a disciple, the death of a Christian, the lesson of a salvation of a soul. And she opened her eyes, and that was a resurrection. And you know what he did? Verse 41, notice what he did in 41. 41 says, And he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. He presented her alive. I pray at the end of the service today that we'll have an opportunity to present some people alive. They were once dead, 
But now they've been saved and they're alive. And I present to you today, based on a profession of faith, of so-and-so, so-and-so, they've asked Christ to come into their life. They're not dead anymore. They're alive. And so if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you need to be presented. The Bible says if you're ashamed on him on earth, he'll be ashamed of you before the Father which is in heaven. If you confess me before men on earth, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men on earth, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. We need presentation. So when people walk down an aisle and profess their faith saying, I'm not dead anymore, they're saying, I'm alive, Brother Sammy, I'm alive. So you have the portrait of a Christian, the death of a Christian, the salvation of a soul, and then you have this igniting of revival. Look at 42 as we close. And it was known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Wow. So you have a revival started because of one who trusted Christ and Christ's follower and, and, and Jesus had touched Amos and Jesus now has touched Dorcas. But something else happened. You had some mercy released. I never had noticed this this close. Look at verse 43. And it came to pass that he, speaking of Peter, that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. You hear that? He stayed with a tanner. Now, tanner made things out of animal hides. I mean, they handled dead animals all the time. They, the tanner was considered unclean. The tanner couldn't go to church in the temple because he was unclean. They couldn't go to the temple. They were unclean. But that's who Simon Peter stayed with. And the point is this. There's, there's no outcast when it comes to Jesus. The tracks... Don't matter if you're, if you're born on one side of the track or if you're born on the other side of the track. What side of the tracks doesn't matter. Whatever you've done in your life, Jesus Christ loves you and he wants to change you just like he did Enos. You say, well, Brother Samuel, what did she leave behind? She left behind great memories. Three things I'm going to share with you. Great memories. What great memories did she leave behind? She left behind a lot of memories. Let me just say this. When you die, will people miss you? Will they miss you? Will they see something that will remind them of you and be blessed from having known you? She left behind great memories. She left behind a great example. She showed them how to, she showed them how to live this life, and, and she helped them, and she had charitable deeds. She helped them. And she may not even know she was helping them. I received a, we received a postcard from Jana Voss. Jeff was here a couple of weeks ago. They're in Hawaii. And they had the little video on the screen of all those kids. You remember that? And Jana said she's never going to have any children. And I think they have, what, seven, something like that? Five, I don't know. I lost count. And this is the letter she wrote, and I just made a copy of it. She wrote on a card and then went to a sheet, and I made a copy. And I'll skip a lot of it, but this is the important part. When, when I shared with you what Dorcas left, she showed them how to live their life. And I asked Judy for permission to read this, and she said it'd be okay with her. She said, I cannot tell you how many times, speaking about us, my heart has been worn with sweet memories I have of you and your family at Mountain View Baptist Church. Um, she goes on to say, uh, 
and skip on down. She said, I watched and I studied you, speaking of Judy. I watched and studied you as I spent time with you. I paid a lot of attention to you, Judy, and what you did. I'd never seen anyone use cloth diapers before and hang them out to dry. I never heard of ivory snow and that it would make a baby's laundry smell so divine. Cow's baby clothes were and diapers smell so wonderfully. I had never seen anyone love children as you two did. Love, love, love. It abounded in your home. I married those beautiful acts of love with my own children. And how blessed I've been. I've remembered you, Judy, driving with your arm over the seat, touching Kyle in his car seat so as to calm him until he would get to where you were going. So sweet. Your keeping, your keeping of your home made such an impression on me as a young girl. It was priority, and it was done beautifully. Thank you for all you taught me, and you never said a word. What darkest leave? Well, she left tangible things, but then she left a good example. She shared with them how they could live life. She helped them. She had charitable deeds. And then she left behind gifts. She left coats and tunics. Listen, you'll never lose what you give. You, you may think you give it away, but you, don't, you never lose that. It may be money, it may be clothes, it may, you may be giving prayer to someone or for someone, you may be offering forgiveness to someone. You never lose that. And every time someone looks at the gift you gave, they're going to, be, they're going to think about you and they're going to be blessed. Can you imagine being in the room where Tabitha was laid out and all of these widow women were weeping, holding up their tunics? That she'd made for them. So here's the point, and I'll close. Are you going to live your whole life living for yourself? Are you going to live a positive, are you going to leave a positive, lasting legacy when you die? It's something to think about. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to kind of open your word and, and look at a passage of scripture perhaps we've read over and really didn't let it sink in. Thank you for the lesson we've, we've learned in the life of Tabitha Darkus. Lord, thank you for her and the example she was. Thank you for all the lessons we discovered. And I pray for each person here this morning. For those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray today they would respond to you as you call them through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be regenerated, to be made new, to come alive, to be raised from a life of deadness to a life of eternal life. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us in a hymn, let others see Jesus in you. And I pray that's your prayer this morning. Listen, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, I pray today that you'll just...